Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, good morning. I'm so thankful to be back. <laughs> uh, last week, um, actually for the last couple of weeks, man, our family has just been like on this kind of cycle of getting sick. One of us gets over it, the next one gets it and so on and so forth. And so big shout out to Ken last week for, for stepping up and giving us a hand. Thank you, Ken, so much for just being a lifeline for me and for our crew, right? Like, so thank you to all of our volunteers because there's moments when we we got to kind of shift gears pretty hard, pretty fast. And I'm so thankful that you're you're willing and you're flexible and you are, yeah, just totally engaged and, and ready to go. Next weekend, we are getting ready for our Christmas Eve gathering. And so it's going to be Sunday at 10 a.m. We're just going to have a Sunday morning gathering on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a lot like what we're doing right now, right? Like we're going to get together. There's going to be a few more treats and beverages to enjoy for a little bit longer. And then we're going to transition into a time of, of Christmas carols, of course, and and a story or a lead-in regarding the Christmas story and Christ's arrival, the incarnation. And so this is one of those times a year when you've got friends and family and you're wondering, oh, is this a, a good opportunity to invite them? I think it is. If you're listening online and you haven't been with us yet in person, you're like, I don't know if this is the right time. I would really encourage you to... Uh, Take that leap of faith with us. <laughs> See if we can be trusted in person. But if you're in the area, we would love for you to join us next Sunday, 10 a.m. for our Christmas Eve gathering. I think that's it for announcements so far. The rest will come out in your email later this week. And so if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to jump, jump, jump right into the uh, right into the verse that we're going to be looking at or the section of Scripture from Luke chapter 1 verse 26 and following. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. This is the word of the Lord spoken to us this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this must be. So the angel responded to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary responds to the angel, "How, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. But pay attention to verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. 
Then the angel departed from her. Amen. What do you want for Christmas? We're only a few days away, just over a week away. So what do you want for Christmas? It's such a simple question for children, and yet for many of us adults, it's certainly complex. For many of us, long gone are the days when all we want for Christmas is a brand new toy. Our grown-up Christmas lists contain items that can't be put under a tree. They're larger and certainly more complex, like all I want for Christmas is financial stability, relational reconciliation, a season of extended family dinners and gatherings where no one fights. I want test results that come back negative, job applications that come back accepted. I want my grown children to meet Jesus or my, my children to reunion with him. Long gone are the days of the simplicity of Christmas. In the season of Advent, acknowledges this transition. In fact, the church encourages us to have this conversation. In the church, we don't start our year in celebration, but in anticipation as we create space for conversations where we can be brutally honest with ourselves, with God, even one another, that this is all I want, this is all I need, this is all that really matters. And I'm so thankful for the Advent season that gives us space to do exactly that. And yet, in the Advent season of honest waiting as apprentices of Jesus, we are challenged at the start of a new year to ask what apprentices are taught, told, and ought to practice well the whole year. An equally profound question. What does God want for Christmas? What does God want for Christmas? This is the holy invitation of our relationship to Jesus. What does Christ want for Christmas? The answer, as we just read and we are going to discuss now, is revealed in the response of a 14-year-old girl who is engaged to be married. So if you came this morning, if you're listening online and you think, I can't learn anything from young people, or for that matter, I can't learn anything from a woman, pay attention because God's about to interrupt that mindset. Because for those of us who have been married, do you remember being engaged? Do you remember the time leading up to the big day? Do you remember the excitement, the planning, preparation, focus, and intensity around what was going to happen? For many, that anticipation of the wedding day is the closest we get to that feeling we had as a child weeks before Christmas. Oh, choosing the gift registry, answering questions about our future, the anticipation grew. The vision of the future was so bright, and the same can be said for Mary. And then, as we just read, interrupted. Her future interrupted. The plan interrupted. The wish list, the engagement, the potential marriage, her very life interrupted. How do you react when you've got a plan, a dream, a hope, a vision, and it's interrupted? I can tell you personally, it's nothing like a, this 14-year-old girl. And here's the thing that I think we should pay attention to this morning. I honestly believe Mary's character, her personal character, and therefore her reaction is an archetype to our apprenticeship. You see, Mary isn't just some character in the story, but an example we must imitate because the answer to our important question what does God want for Christmas is revealed in this young lady's reaction to the interruption. Do you know what the answer is? Mary gives God access to her life. What does God want for Christmas? God wants access to your life. For many, certainly in the West, religion, 
Religion is viewed as a means to get access to God. If, if I do A, B, and C, or X, Y, and Z, this process will get me to God, and then God, in response, will do A, B, C, if not X, Y, Z for me. Christianity is, or at least should be, different because, yes, we believe that there's a way of life that opens us up to have access to God. But in doing so, we believe, we believe, we understand, and we accept that we are also giving God access to us. Yes, Christianity is about us having access to God, but equally important, God has access to us. Christianity isn't some method of somehow getting God to do something for us, but allowing God access to our lives as we partner with the Holy Spirit in bringing about what the world really needs. So what does God want for Christmas? More access to your life. In fact, listen to Mary's words. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. As I read these words, I can't help but fast forward in my mind to the 33-year-old Jesus praying in desperation in the garden, the night of his betrayal, his trial, and his eventual execution. Not my will be done, but yours. All these years later, Jesus is reciting a similar prayer to his mother's before he was even born. And so this is a bit of a sidebar statement, but I think it's an important reminder, invitation, and even challenge. Kids will sometimes do what we say, but they will always do what they see. Kids will sometimes do what we say, but they will always do what they see. And I can only assume from the ongoing story that we read about Mary in the Gospels that she's modeled, not just in this moment, but in most moments, a life that has given God access to her life. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I know it sounds easier than, it's easier said than done, right? And I I want you to just take a deep breath and relax because don't worry, she's right here with us. It wasn't, it wasn't so simple with Mary as it is at all, like we would think it maybe was. Because if we skip back to the story, remember this important starting point? Gabriel comes to her and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And in verse 29, how does she respond? But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered, Hmm, what sort of greeting this must be? You see, I believe that many people start where Mary does, being like, huh, I wonder what this means, perplexed. Me? But I think the problem is many of us stay there. Why me? Who me? Not me. How me? God couldn't, wouldn't, certainly doesn't choose me. Imagine the perplexed reaction of a 14-year-old in a culture that valued age. Imagine the confusion for a girl in a culture that prioritized men. Imagine this poor 14-year-old girl in the confusion in a culture that believed blessings were revealed in your wealth and prosperity. On all accounts, Mary doesn't meet the grade, can't reach the bar, and so of course she's confused and perplexed. I'm favored by God? Me? I'm too young. I'm too woman. I'm too poor. Do you ever look at yourself and think, not me? couldn't be me. God wouldn't choose me, accept me, include me, invite me. If that's what you're thinking, you're in good company. In fact, when we read the Bible, the majority of people interrupted by God react the exact same way. Me? So I have good news for you. God does not choose you because of how you think about yourself. 
God chooses you because of because he knows who you are. God does not choose you because of how you think about yourself. God chooses you because he knows who you are. God has a different standard and thank goodness he does. If you open up your table notes, if you haven't already, you'll see that I've added a list of people and their circumstances in the notes today so that you could relate to the people that God interrupted to join his mission. If you look at it just quickly, you'll see that some were considered too old, too young. Some were suicidal, afraid, prone to getting drunk. Some people ran from God. Some people denied God. And we have a guy named Paul, once upon a time Saul, who believed that he was killing for God. So if you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, not me, think again. If you're looking at others and thinking, not them, think again. God's in the interruption business and no one seems to be excluded. So don't allow your image of yourself to keep you from receiving an interruption from God. Don't allow your image of yourself to keep you from receiving an interruption from God. But this brings us to another really, maybe perhaps even bigger, important statement. Some of us straight up don't want to be interrupted by God. Some of us say, yes, I'm an apprentice of Jesus. Yes, I want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus in order that I might do what Jesus would do if he were me today. But all the time internally we're saying, no thanks. Not today, Jesus. Not that way, Jesus. Here at Reunion, we often talk a lot about giving our best yes. But this morning, I feel like we need to address our tightly held no. And I honestly believe Mary could have said no. I do not believe God's in the business of commandeering someone's life. God interrupts, God invites, and then God waits. Because love doesn't force itself onto others or use others. Love interrupts because love is an invitation. Yes, Mary, your life is going that way, but but God is inviting you this way instead. God has a plan, Mary, and you're invited in. You're invited to participate. You're being asked. Is saying no to the invitation a sin? I don't believe so, but I do believe it does something to our relationships. If our default position regarding our lives or a specific area of our life is no access, it does more to our lives than it does to God's plan. You see, I make this little statement from time to time to people that if it wasn't for Jesus, many of us wouldn't be friends. Because if it wasn't for Jesus interrupting my life, I wouldn't be friends with a lot of you. Not because I don't like you. In fact, I love you. But because before reunion, we just simply traveled in different circles. I watched sports and you played Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) I like my house full of people and noise. And to some of you, that's your definition of hell. (laughs) But But here we are, right? In one another's lives, long and far beyond Sunday mornings. Because God interrupted and we said yes. God's interruptions are always invitations to allow our lives to expand. And the result? Love grows. Love grows when we give God access. Love grows when we give God access. And so saying yes to God doesn't mean that you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. It does mean that you're going to give birth to love. Your life will expand in ways you can't imagine towards people you often wouldn't choose. And that is incredibly good news. It's incredibly good news. Love grows when we give God access. 
And so when we want to know, what does God want for Christmas? God wants access to your life. Are you ready for the interruption? Maybe some of you have already been interrupted. You sense this invitation, but you're perplexed. Who, me? But on the flip side, some of you are already said, not me. Some of, we, uh, some of us are living in a disposition of not me. And so God is here. The Spirit is moving in this place, in this city, in your home, on your street. And there are going to be interruptions and there are going to be invitations this season. And as your, t- as your leadership team has been praying, we sense this year coming up. And so how will we respond? There's something about Mary we can all imitate. This poor 14-year-old girl has a lot to teach us. And one thing's for certain, she gave God access to her life. Will you? What is God saying to you this morning and how will you respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.